0: Welcome to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. We feature exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the podcast, the founder CEO of Weaving Influence, and the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause. I also created the Reach More Readers workshops. Thank you for choosing to learn with me. And I hope you'll take action today as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us to help us reach more listeners. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Robinson, and I'm so happy to have part two of a conversation with Catherine Golub. We began a conversation a couple of weeks ago. Unpacking some of the learning from the 2022 BK nonfiction book marketing workshop. And so we have a few more questions that we want to touch on today. And I think that the questions that Catherine has are likely questions that you also have. So I'm so thrilled to continue this conversation. So welcome back, Catherine. Thank you, Becky. I'm very grateful for this time. Yeah.
1: So I just have a couple of follow up questions. And um, two, are in response to an online conversation that we had yesterday. Um, I had shared with Becky my marketing plan, and Becky had a couple of follow-up uh, comments and questions. And, and so I have questions back in response. And so in the marketing plan, I said that I am committed to doing everything in my po- in my power to sell as many books as possible. And you asked, how many? And I said, I don't know, I've heard, I believe that I've heard, and I'm not sure if this is accurate, that like to really build momentum, like 10,000 in the first year is the number that's often referenced. And so I would like to say 10,000, but I have no, you know, I have no, I wanna be honest with approaching a publisher and I have no equation in my mind to, with which to calculate how I would sell books. And so I'm wondering, do I, do I pull a number out of Samir? Do I, cause I'm willing to do that, but I, if they ask, I would just say, I would be honest and say, I just pulled out a number. Um, and I'm wondering, yeah, how do, how do I answer that
0: question? Sure. Well, I think that <laughs> realism is helpful. So mm-hmm. I, in my journey, I've noticed that people are either on like one side of the spectrum or the other. And a statistic I heard recently is that for most self-published independent authors, They might never sell more than 150 copies of a book in its lifetime. Like that's the average for a self-published book. So that's like a really, a really low number. And you're right. You know, Todd Satterston is the guy who's done a lot of research who says that if a business nonfiction book can sell over 10,000 copies in the first year, it's more likely to get momentum to be a a long-term seller. So if you want to have a book that makes an impact in the market over time, you really want to focus on momentum in the first year. Um, In terms of pulling out a number, though, you know, I've I've met other authors and they'll say to me, well, I want to sell two hundred fifty thousand copies in the first year. And when I hear that, like I get a little bit like frustrated because I don't want to like be a killjoy. But I know I know how hard selling books is Um, and to give you some context, that ten thousand number, I always thought it was ten thousand print copies. What I'm learning across my journey now is that that's across all the editions. So if you have a business book and it's coming out in print and Kindle and audiobook, you want at least ten thousand copies of combined of the three editions of the book to sell. You know, to be ten thousand. Um, I would say, in terms of what we've seen on our journey uh, marketing books over ten years. Any book that sells more than about 5000 in, in a year, as it relates to the small independent publisher that we're often supporting, is, is doing pretty well. So every book um, within the publisher's house is going to have a profit and loss statement. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to look at how much money they're going to invest in the title to bring it to market. And then they're going to look at after the first year, like how many do they expect to sell? And they, they obviously want to create a profit. So, you know, I think it's fine Catherine as you craft your marketing proposal and you submit your proposal to say that you're aware of the 10,000 number that you want to work toward it. I'll tell you 2 months past publication of my first book, I'm worried that I'm not going to make it. You know, and this is what I do for a living. Um but at the same time I'm going to keep Going and keep trying and keep looking for creative ways to keep the book out there. So, if you can demonstrate through your network, for example, that you're going to have X number of speaking engagements where you expect X number of copies sold, you're going to get a lot closer to that 10,000 number if you do 100, you know, times 10 a few times than if you're really relying on those one at a time individual business to, con, you know, consumer sales, consumer mm-hmm. sales are tough. They're slower than you might think. And what mm-hmm. I noticed with my book, and I'll be transparent and vulnerable here for a moment is the first week I sold a lot. The second week it dropped off the third week, it dropped off more. And as I've done some various podcasts and such, it might bump up a little bit, but we're talking about books in the tens, not books in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so if you think about 10,000 divided by 52, that's about 200 books a week, yeah. you know, at, on an average, and I'm not achieving anywhere close to that.
1: Okay. I appreciate your honesty.
0: With yeah, that. it's hard. It's hard to, yeah. you know, share that. But yeah. I think the reality is, you know, sometimes I'll meet with an author on the phone and I'll show them, uh, you may or may not be aware that you can log into Author Central on Amazon and um, Author Central reports out BookScan. BookScan is um, the... Yeah retail reporting of sales and book scan shows about 85% of all retail sales. Now there is a delay on author central. So if I look at my author central numbers today, it's about two weeks behind. But when I look at that with authors, sometimes like their mouths drop, like really that's as many books as I've sold. Mm -hmm. It's discouraging to see. Mm -hmm. Um, So you really do have to have that long-term view that the book is a valuable tool in your work and business over time and just keep looking for more ways to find new audiences.
1: Okay. So um, a follow, two follow-ups to that. One is I haven't done much speaking. I'm confident in my speaking abilities, but it just, it has, I haven't needed to, I have a, you know, my coaching practice, my groups are really doing well. So it hasn't been part of my business model until now. And I'm really willing to do it. Um, but I don't have the ability to demonstrate that I've done much of it in the last several years at least early early in my business I did a lot but um, so I can't say I have this many engagements planned and 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 as I've gone to the marketing conferences and I listen to you now I hear how it appears to me that speaking is a really critical part of selling books and so I'm i wondering if you have any thoughts about how to address, address that, meaning I'd written down the question, how necessary is speaking? My, my, my assumption is it's necessary. Um, and I have a list of organizations that I'm ready and willing to approach. Um, any thoughts
0: about all that? Sure. So I would say it's not necessarily speaking that's critical so much as it is showing up with people. And I noticed in your marketing plan, you said that you want to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the mentality that I'm having right now is not so much about, you know, is there an in-person stage that I can stand on where there are a lot of people to hear me speak? Uh, Because sometimes those can be slower to come, especially post-pandemic, you know, maybe there aren't as many events or maybe not as much budget for travel, but, you know, what's a group that I can speak to even in a virtual setting where I can get 10 or 15 or 30 or 50 people together in a virtual room and share the message of my book with them, Um, and so I think if you focus less about speaking and more on audience, you know, what I'm doing is as people respond to my emails, I'll ask them, hey, do you have a book club, a church group, you know, um, you know, a group at your organization that we can bring people together and I can present these ideas. What happens is when you get in front of groups, then, you know, hopefully your ideas will resonate with them and they will want to share them with others. And so the more people you can be in front of, In person or virtual spaces, the more traction you can get for your book and message. I talked to a guy, uh, a nonfiction author from West Virginia, at this event that I spoke at a couple about a month ago. And one of the things he said is, Well, you know, I I got to go to this retirement home. His book is about um, his father's experiences in World War II, I think, and in Korea. And so he said, You know, the people at the retirement home, they laughed, they loved my stories. And I sold one book. And so some audiences are better than others as it relates to the book sales that you might be able to achieve from speaking. And you know, if you have the opportunity to either speak for free in exchange for the group purchasing books, you know, that's always a way to get ahead further. And I just try to remember that books are seeds and Mm -hmm. my book being in the world is better than my book not being in the world. So this event that I spoke at in West Virginia, they didn't have budget to buy my books. I brought a bunch of my own books and I gave them away because Mm -hmm. I wanted my book to be in the hands of those people who potentially could benefit from the ideas.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's very, that's very helpful.
0: Yeah. Less about speaking more about audiences.
1: Okay. Well, that's, that's much easier.
0: Um, I, I can do that and, and books are seeds. Um, yeah. And just look for any opportunity that you have to share the message of your book. Okay.
1: All right. Um, another question is that I had put some numbers last time we talked about the launch team and afterwards you inspired me to go back and add another like 100-ish people to the list So I feel very comfortable asking for to be part of the team. And so I said something like, I will ask over 200 people <laughs> to join the team. And you said, and with, in the hopes of having 100 Amazon reviews in the first week, and you said, my experience is that you need more than 200 plus is there an equation? It reminds me of, I used to, many years ago, I directed the uh, Connecticut Citizen Action Group field canvas. So every, I would direct, you know, uh, uh, you know, young people would go out and knock on doors and ask for memberships for the organization. And back then, like 20 years ago, for every four, if you did a really good job, half of people opened doors back then, half of those people which they don't do anymore. But half of people opened doors back then. Half of those people would give money, some money, five bucks to 60 bucks. And then half of those people would become full members. And that's when, if you're doing really, really well, we could, that was pretty reliable numbers. I'm wondering if there are any numbers like that for launch team requests. And, uh, and I bet it really depends on the people's quality of relationships starting out. But any thoughts?
0: Yeah, actually, I don't know if it does depend on the quality of the relationships because Catherine, you know, I could tell you the number of conversations where I tell someone, you know, the data that I've seen is 10 to 40% who make a commitment will leave a review, not in the first week in the first month or so, 10 to 40%. And people will say, Oh, well, my friends are different. I know for sure my friends are going to say, yes, they're going to do it right away. They're going to follow through on their commitments. I bet I can get 75% of my friends who commit to leaving a review and they will. And, you know, I've looked at 150, 160 campaigns, and it's the same. It's 10 to 40% of people that get an advanced copy will follow through with a review. So I'll share my numbers. I set a goal to get 100 reviews in the first month we sent out 400 pre-publication copies of my book. By the time this episode goes live, it's possible I will have reached 100. Although when this episode goes live, it will be three months since my book came out. Today, which is about two months after my book came out, we have 96 reviews. So that's about 25%. And I think the quality of people who signed up to be on my launch team are pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing to keep in mind is the 400 wasn't, the size of the launch team, there were some books that I sent out to friends and family and team, and I didn't expect them to leave a review. So even if we use, say, the launch team as 300, then it's two months past, and I have about a third of them who have followed through. Okay. That's very helpful. So I always say, take the number of reviews that you want in the first month and multiply that number by four to get the number of books that you need to send out to achieve that. Now, there could be an exception to this, Catherine, if you're the kind of person who's willing to do personal outreach, you know, almost immediately, like if you say, hey, I want 100 in the first week, then you're going to need to prep your people in advance and say, it's very important to me that you're going to leave the review in the first week. And here's why. And you may have to be texting people, calling people, emailing people personally. We did not do that. Um, This week is the first time that we sent some individual personal emails from me to people who were on the launch team who hadn't reviewed. And so as a result, we've gotten about four more reviews this week. Um, But this was the first time that we did that personal outreach. So if you do personal outreach, you could increase those percentages and the speed with which people leave reviews, but also people's lives get busy that your book shows up. They don't read it right away. It sits, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not that they don't like you and it's not Mm -hmm. that they didn't like your book. It's just that they haven't read it yet. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. That's, that is very helpful. I asked my first two friends yesterday
0: (laughs) about, about reviews already.
1: Yes. (laughs) And they're—they it was kind of funny. They're—they are. I have no concern about them not doing it in a year from now when the book when the book comes out. But it's like, okay, I need to start practicing.
0: That's class. amazing. Well, Catherine, <laughs> I should thank you publicly. Thank you for leaving an Amazon review for my book.
1: Of course. Yeah. No, I—I I was really happy to. I really, I really did love your book and found it. I found it very reassuring and supportive. In the last conversation. This kind of goes in a different direction. In the last conversation, I, I think I've been wanting to do a podcast for many years and I was considering doing a summit, but I actually think that a podcast may not grow the lit, my email list as quickly, but it would potentially be a better way to develop relationships. And it's more of a, sl- a slow thing that um, that is calling me more right now. And so I'm thinking about starting a radical, dis- the Radical Discernment podcast, Radical Discernment is the name of my book, um, very soon, like in September. And so I'm curious if you have any uh, recommendations for resources for an author who is considering
0: starting a podcast. That's a great question, Catherine. Um, resources for an author considering starting a podcast. Well, I would say that... Uh, One of the things I might recommend is that you partner with an organization that produces podcasts as you're starting. So there are a couple of organizations that my team has worked with, and we'll put some links in the show notes. Um, I'm not going to say the names of the companies here. But quite often, if you get started, you can build all the assets that you need to continue so that later you can produce them on your own. But if you start with really great quality like musical intros and outros. If you you know work with people and they're used to creating the art and they're used to getting you set up for syndication, that can help you cut through some of the kind of confusion at the start. Um, if you partner with someone who's who's been there, done that, and we did that with our podcast when we started. I guess close to three years ago now, or more than three years ago now. I can't I can't remember when we started. It was prior to the pandemic. Uh, so partnering with someone who's uh, you know acquainted with the different steps that you need to take to. To get it going, um, let's see what else. Um, in terms of resources, you know, one of my favorite tools for podcasting um, on the marketing side of podcast is Audiogram, um, and it's a very low cost way that you can take clips from your podcast and make it into you know short social media snippets. I think we pay like seventeen dollars a month for it, so that's a tool that I really quite like. Um, And I would also say, uh, you know, thinking ahead to, you know, conversations that you can have with people as you're thinking about marketing the book that can be of value to your book's readers. So you might know, Catherine, that when I wrote my book, I created a course, and people who buy the book can scan a QR code and get access to the course. And a lot of the content in the course is the interviews that I did as I was writing my book, and we just embedded the podcast episodes within the course. So be thinking ahead about various ways that the podcast. Um, content could be repurposed and reused to build audience and add value to others over time. Now, that's not really a tool, but um, it's the thing that I'm most interested in, um, is really how do you make the most of the content that you're creating and use it to expand audience? And if you begin with the end in mind, you know, before you've even ever recorded a podcast, thinking about the various ways the content can be of value to your audiences. I think I would spend more time thinking about the content and less time worrying about the mechanics. I can say lots of reasons why that's great. <laughs>
1: that's, that's great. I and mean, I really, that that's, that's helpful. Thank you. And I look forward to getting those links.
0: Um, yes, we know. will get those links okay. in the show notes for you.
1: Okay. So yeah, I think those will be all my questions for right now.
0: Well, thank you yeah, so thank much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've enjoyed the chance to journey with you. And I'm excited for you to get your proposal submitted and hopefully have some good news so that about a year from now, Catherine, everyone can be reading radical discernment. Um, So as we wrap up, we always at the end of every episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast give people some action items. And I'm going to start with your last question. You were asking about the value of a podcast and helping to grow an audience as you approach a book launch. And so for those of you who are listening today, I would encourage you to think for a moment about... The content that you're using to add value to your audiences and think about whether there may be some new initiative that you could start as Catherine is thinking of starting a podcast what, what new content could you bring to your audiences, as you continue to seek to grow the reach of your work so that's action item number one. Action item number two um, is to think about. um, my conversation with Catherine about speaking and audiences. And one of the things I said is that you want to say yes to every opportunity that you have to share the message of your book with others. So if you could, I want you to jot down two or three groups um, that you may be able to reach out to who might be interested in or see value in your book's content. And finally, this is a third action item. It might be selfish. If you have a group and my ideas from reach would be of value, would you send me an email and invite me to speak to your audience? I will say yes, if I can. So again, thank you. Um, Catherine, can you let folks know how they can follow you online and get to know more about you and your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a couple of things. One is that I have a free weekly Saturday love letter to change makers. And uh, to sign up for that, it is very low marketing and very high quality teaching and teachings that have come if I do say something, hopefully humbly, um, teachings that have come out of my week's conversations with my clients that they've found helpful and then sh- sharing those with, uh, with folks who are on the love letter, in the love letter community. So to sign up for that, folks can go to my website, which is callingsandcourage.com. And where I interact most with people is on Instagram. So that's just at Catherine Golub. Uh, yeah, I would love to-
0: interact with people there. Thank you. Awesome. And Catherine, I don't know if you know, but I have used your Instagram as an example to so many people over the past year so. When I talk about carousels and adding a lot of value through content, I always send people to your profile. Thank you, Becky. Sure thing. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks.